Hi, WorkWell listeners. I'm really excited to share that my book, Work Better Together, is officially out. Conversations with WorkWell guests and feedback from listeners like you inspired this book. It's all about how to create a more human-centered workplace. And as we return to the office for many of us, this book can help you move forward into post-pandemic life with strategies and tools to strengthen your relationships and focus on your well-being. It's available now from your favorite book retailer. You've probably heard the proverbial saying, you are what you eat. And it's true, because the nutrients from the food we eat impact every cell in our body. But in a world focused on convenience and speed, how can we ensure we're feeding our body with foods that help us be our best every single day? This is the WorkWell podcast series, live from the World Happiness Summit in Miami, Florida. Hi, I'm Jen Fisher, Chief Wellbeing Officer for Deloitte, and I'm so pleased to be here with you today to talk about all things well-being. I'm here with Shannon Allen. She's the creator of Grown, the first ever 100% USDA organic certified fast food restaurant with a drive-through on the East Coast. Shannon created Grown after searching unsuccessfully for an organic, nutrient-dense meal on the go for her children including middle son Walker, who lives with type 1 diabetes. The grown concept has also evolved, in part from her television show, The Pre-Game Meal, which was inspired by 18 years of preparing optimal game day meals for her husband, Ray, a two-time NBA champion. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jen. Absolutely. So I want to learn about you. Tell us who you are, where you grew up, all that good stuff, and then how you became passionate about food. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Where do I start? My name's Shannon Allen. I'm from Middletown, Connecticut, which is right in the middle of the state. Um, Oldest of three girls. My mom owned and operated the number one independently owned real estate company in central Connecticut. Black woman, total Mm -hmm. barracuda. Pretty amazing, actually, her story. (laughs) Um, And my dad was a school teacher for Mm -hmm. years and grew an organic garden in our backyard, was a woodworker, restored old boats, kind of a jack of all trades, master at nothing, but truly really like a, an artistic soul. And um, I grew up a singer and an actress. I would, went to Northeastern University. I was in a girl group on Motown Records. Wow. I did a ton of TV and film stuff. I was even the owner of the Pink Dog on Blue's Clues. And some way along the way in my journey, I met and fell in love with my husband, Ray, who is arguably the greatest three-point shooter in NBA history. Who's arguing? He is. I was going to say. Arguably for who? We're there. You're not going to argue with me, right, No, not at all. Fighting words. I agree with you. (laughs) We're in agreement. Um, And so I learned very quickly that food was essential to get him to his next athletic Mm. performance. And I, being kind of the star in my household and didn't know anything about food, I could like make a mean tuna fish sandwich and boil an awesome cup of hot tea but that was about it I went to the experts so I became like his mom's sous chef and I learned all the family recipes and then I'd go back to my dad and my mom and my grandmother and my aunties Mm. and beg them to teach me about you know this incredible expression of love and that's when I really fell in love with the rocking of the knife Um, but I didn't become a food entrepreneur which is something I never would have chosen for myself did you coin that term or is that like a I use it a lot, okay. so I must have heard it from somewhere. I'm pretty good about giving credit where credit is due. Um, I like saying it because it definitely makes sense, yeah. but um, I had no desire to be a food entrepreneur, certainly. I, I definitely worked as a waitress in between music and acting gigs, and it's a very... Um, 
uh, ungratifying work, certainly, and not glamorous at all, but necessary work, mm-hmm. uh, essential work, right? Mm-hmm. We've learned in the past couple of years. Um, but when our middle child, Walker, was diagnosed with um, type 1 diabetes in 2008, it changed me. It changed the dynamic in our family, and it changed my personal trajectory and set me on this passionate mission to reinvent fast food. And that's what I'm doing now. I love it. So let's talk about organic food and organic fast food and why that's so important for all of us. Well, first of all, I think the most important thing for people to be doing is eating real food. Mm. Single ingredient, nutrient dense foods, right? I mean, we've been kind of conditioned to believe that things in shiny packages are food and and they're really food like substances. Mm. Um, Real food, single ingredient foods, real fast food are things like a banana, you peel it and eat it, an orange. Mm-hmm. Things that your great-grandmother would recognize as food. Broccoli, a cucumber. Strawberries, yeah. my favorite fast food. Totally, <laughs> a handful of rice. Yeah. You know, a, a boneless, skinless chicken breast. This is real food. These are single ingredient nutrient-dense foods, and this is what our body is desperate for to power us and um, to fuel our, our mind, our spirit, and the world, really. And when you really dig into single ingredient nutrient dense foods, then you realize that there's another layer and that's how is the food actually being grown? Mm. And there are conventionally grown foods, which in my opinion is a misnomer because when you hear the word conventional, you think, oh, this is the way it's supposed to be done. (laughs) Right. It's conventionally done. But what that really means is sprayed with intense pesticides Mm. and typically a very serious chemical, which is a known carcinogen. On the other side of the table are organic foods. Mm. And organic foods are grown the way Mother Nature intended, which is lots of sunlight, loving hands, and water. Mm. And those foods are the ones that are really amazing for you. They're amazing for your cell health, for your mental health, for your physical health and well-being, and for the planet. Yeah. Because we're not over-irradiating our soil and contributing to greenhouse gases. And, you know, staring down the mother of all messes, which is what we're staring with with our planet right now. Yeah. So those are kinds of the differences in a very, you know, um, you know, easy way to explain to everyone to understand. But that's big stuff. I mean, it's important. <laughs> it is. It is for me. I'm a mother of five and I have a child with a serious medical condition. Um, he's living with an autoimmune disease and absolutely thriving. But a lot of that has to do with a we're very fortunate to have access to doctors in the U.S. B, we have access to insulin, which most people do not. Mm-hmm. We have insurance, which most people do not, and I have the ability to afford to buy him organic foods, and I have the time to cook him those foods. So these are all luxuries right. that most people don't have, and I'm yeah. hyper aware of that. And how is it, I guess, changing the way that you eat or prepare food, how has it affected your other children? Like, what's that like in the family? Well, fortunately, I've kind of always eaten this way. Okay. Before I became a mom, I really decided that I wanted to run an organic kitchen. And um, mostly a gluten-free kitchen as well. So I, they're used I'm to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I grew up on this kind of food. Yeah. I mean, my mom and dad were hippies. My dad had a huge garden in our backyard. Yeah. And he grew tomatoes and peppers and onions and corn and mushrooms and the whole bit. And, you know, my parents never bought marinara sauce. If my dad was going to make bolognese or stumbrado or some kind of a really cool stew, you know, or shepherd's pie or something, he'd say, Shan, go in the basement and get me a jar of tomatoes, <laughs> which is which most people did. Right. They canned and jarred their own stuff. So this was definitely a part of my, like, DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my like ancestral DNA. My mom's families were all farmers, uh, Cape Verdeans from Massachusetts. And um, so 
it feels good to eat like that. Yeah. That fills my soul. But do you, have your kids ever said, well, my friends get to eat whatever junk food and I don't. Well, my kids get to eat junk food. Okay. I mean, I mean I'm a real mom. You know, we, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'm thinking to myself, okay, how does she get around this with her kids? Okay, so you don't. Good. You've just no. made a whole bunch of other moms feel much better. Yeah, like one of our slogans at Grown is eliminating mom guilt. You're welcome because yeah. we have enough things to feel bad about. It I doesn't, you know, that. the pantry doesn't need to be one of them. Right. Um, but I would say 90% of the times my kids eat organic meals that I made and then God only knows what they're eating in school lunches right <laughs> right holy cow and then I'm a basketball mom my kids all play AAU basketball when we're on the road and there's no grown in town I'm relegated to whatever comes out of that drive through window yeah. yeah so we need more groans in town we certainly. need more groans in town I to agree so my let's, territory. let's talk about grown like what inspired you to go from you know preparing meals for your husband and your family yeah you know getting them ready for game time and just life and your son to creating grown for the rest of us to benefit from your wisdom and your food oh gosh <laughs> well it was definitely like you know people always say necessity is the mother of invention mm -hmm. in this case mother was the necessity of invention mm -hmm. um in 2008, my husband, Ray, was competing with the Boston Celtics against the LA Lakers, the late, great Kobe Bryant. May he rest in peace. Mm. And um, we were in LA for the championship. We'd never been to the big dance before. And here we were, we were so excited. There were like 35 of us in our family. Uh, my mother-in-law was at swap meets looking for green jeans, which is really hard <laughs> to find in gold and purple nation. Um, but we were all really excited. I mean, we were on like high vibrational energy times a thousand. We were so happy for Ray. So between a Monday and a Friday, my middle child, Walker, who was only 17 months old, taught himself how to say juice mommy mm. because he was so excessively thirsty. And this was a mostly breastfed little guy. I breastfed all my boys till they were three. And Walker had about 50 words in his vocabulary, but juice wasn't one of them. Mm. So I started noticing like he was drinking all the time. He was peeing through his diaper. And then by Friday, he was wetting the bed and then he was also vomiting. Mm. And I was kind of thinking, oh, this is crappy hotel food. I wasn't so worried. I don't know if it's like your third child. It's kind of like they can run with <laughs> knives and you don't care. <laughs> the first child, you're like, ah, see, see you're the oldest of three. I'm the youngest of three, so I understand that. By the time my parents got to me, they're like, yeah, do whatever you want. She's on fire. <laughs> don't worry about it. She knows stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> totally. So I wasn't super worried. But Ray, my husband Ray, who was like in the middle of the biggest moment of his life, mm. and this is really, it's amazing. It's, it's a testament to him and his ability to have this focus mechanism that he can turn on and off. He said to me Friday morning, and this was after hitting three, I mean, eight three-pointers in game five. He scored 24 points in the fourth quarter that had never been done before to win this game five in the finals game. So he had a lot going on. And he looks at me on Friday and says, Shan, I think there's something really wrong with Walker. Mm. And I was like, you think so? I mean, I think maybe he's got like a bug or a baby flu or something, but I don't think he's sick, sick. And he was like, no, I think something's really wrong. And if you wake up tomorrow morning and he's off, promise me you'll take him in. And of course I said yes. And that next morning I woke up in a pool of Walker's yeah. urine. He had peed through his diaper, soaked me, soaked the bed. Mm. I put him in the tub. He was a wet noodle. I called the hotel and asked if they had a doctor that they were affiliated with because I knew no one in L.A. Right. And I get on the phone with this doctor that's affiliated with the hotel. And he gives me this piece of advice that I will never forget and literally changed my life forever. He said, sounds like a flu, maybe a little bit of food poisoning, but you're never going to know unless you get a blood test. Take them in. Promise me you don't leave without a blood test. And I said, okay, but like, what am I looking for? He's like, I have no idea. 
what they'll tell you? Anything really scary, you can rule out with a blood test. So I went to the hospital, and for 25 minutes, I was trying to convince the people in the hospital that Walker was sick. Mm. And everyone there was saying, we know really sick kids. This kid isn't sick. He's probably got a virus. Take him home, give him Pedialyte, give him a couple popsicles. He's going to be great. That sounded good to me because I had a basketball game to go to. Right. But that sentence from the doctor was like burned in my soul. And I said, like, you know I'm what? getting a blood test. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stand right here. Yes. And Jen, that's exactly what happened. I stopped asking because yeah. I'd been asking. And then I just demanded it. I'm yeah. not leaving without it. And 20 minutes later, a doctor came in the room, white as a ghost, tears mm. streaming down her face. And she said, your blood sugar is supposed to be between 70 and 120. Walker's is 639. <gasps> wow. He has type 1 diabetes. And he's entered a phase of diabetes called diabetic ketoacidosis which means his blood sugar is poisoning him to death. And if he doesn't get insulin soon, you're going to lose him. Oh, my God. Okay, so. That was the moment that changed everything. And in a flash, I became an activist, an advocate, a warrior. And I just looked at her and said, hey, listen, you know, I'm not leaving here without him. I don't know what insulin is. I don't know anything about diabetes, but I'm not leaving here without my baby, so let's hook him up. And I started doing everything I could in the diabetes community sat on the International Board of Directors for the JDRF, the Jocelyn Diabetes Center, did the walks, did the rides, did the runs. And what I became acutely aware of is that insulin is the most sold drug on the planet. Mm -hmm. And pre-COVID, diabetes was really the pandemic of our time. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of money is being spent and made keeping diabetes going. Not that researchers aren't looking for the cure, because of course they are. But there's also pumps and meters and things that you know, are, are um, saleable and contribute mm-hmm. to the bottom line of people's P&Ls. That's just real life. I own a business. It is what it is. Yeah. So I was kind of very contemplative about this. And then one night I was on my way to the grocery store to buy stuff to make dinner. And Walker had an extremely low blood sugar in his car seat. And I pulled over on the side of the road and he was like 40 and falling. And for anyone that's listening that has a loved one with type 1 or type 2, you know that you go from 40 to 0, it's lights out. Yeah. So I realized the schlep to the grocery store was out the window and I needed food now. I started looking around the highway and it was like fast food, fast food, fast food, fast food, things that came out of shiny packages and went from the freezer to the fryer later. And I realized Walker deserved better. He was only Mm -hmm. 17 months old and he was already insulin dependent. I wanted like a whole organic free range rotisserie chicken with broccoli and rice and an unsweetened iced tea or like a bowl of chicken tortilla soup or a gluten-free panko encrusted chicken tender. And it pissed me off that I couldn't get that. And so I drove like a bat out of hell to a restaurant. <laughs> and like jumped over the counter. <laughs> I have a friend that worked there. This maniac. Did, did, she know you, did she know you were coming at least? <laughs> okay, okay. I called him. And um, I got Walker a Sprite, which people would be surprised to know. Very, very high in sugar content. Lots of bubbles. Got him out of the danger zone immediately. And then he had real food. And I went home and I sat on my shower floor. And for the first time since his diagnosis, I sobbed. Mm. And I felt like a failure. Like I failed my son. And I had like a legit pity party. Like I felt really bad for myself. And then I got out of the shower and I looked in the mirror and I was like, look, you know what? (laughs) No one's coming to save you. Mm. And if this is a problem for you, this is just a problem, period. Right. And so I called my husband, Ray, who was on like a 21-day road trip. And I was like, hey, guess what? Um, If nobody has big enough to reinvent fast food, I think I might have to do it. 
And that was the moment that Groan was born. And what was his reaction to that? He was like, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> what do you say to the woman that's been in the stands screaming like a maniac for you for 25 years? That's go true. It. Go for it. Well, because he knew you could do it too. Together, yeah, we did. Yeah. So let's talk about, I mean, you, you talked a little bit earlier about nutrition and whole foods. How does this, I mean, let's break it down, how it truly kind of impacts your physical and your mental health. I would say in particular, Probably your mental health. I think people are much more for much more familiar with how it impacts your physical health. That doesn't mean they take all the right steps, including me. But you know, more recently we've started to learn about the connection of food to our mental health. I mean, it's undeniable yeah. the connection. And I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian, so I wouldn't want anyone that's listening to say Shannon said for me to do this. <laughs> um, but in my own experience and in my own life, I found that when I eliminate highly processed foods and sugar, mm-hmm. especially. Um, I feel, look, think, sleep, and have a better presence of mind. I'm entirely more focused. And I feel like the best version of myself, I mean, people probably don't know this, but the average American consumes 183 pounds of sugar every year without ever adding a teaspoon of sugar to their food or drinks. Sugar's in everything. It's in everything. It's in everything. And people are like wondering why we look and feel different than folks did 50 and 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's because of the enormous sugar content in bread, pasta, rice, sauces. And we're all unknowingly addicted to it. Beyond, it's it's more addictive than cocaine. (laughs) Yeah, Most addictive substance on the planet. So like one thing that I would say, hey, I want to harness a better physical, mental, and spiritual version of myself, my physical body. What is one thing that I can do right now that will make me feel better? Eliminate sugar. How do you eliminate sugar? I do it. (laughs) Okay, so tell us what that looks like. Well, I don't drink any soda. Mm -hmm. I drink sparkling water or water. I drink coffee with no sugar. I don't do any bread, pasta, rice, potatoes. I don't eat canned soups. I make my own soups and stews at home. That sounds like, ooh, that's hard. It's not. Um, And, you know, things that contain high content, high sugar content like ketchup. I don't use. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't add sugar to anything. I don't eat. I have a gluten allergy, so I can't have cakes and pies. Every once in a blue moon, I'll have a piece of gluten-free sourdough toast because I just really want that. <laughs> but for the most part, I don't do it. Jams and jellies, not for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, but that's me. That's my own personal journey. Someone that's listening to this, that's a nutritionist and dietitian that maybe works with athletes, will say, "This is completely wrong. You need complex carbohydrates in order to." Boom, 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 and boom. Like if I told Michael Phelps, hey, I don't do sugar, he would be like, well, guess what? You'd never be an Olympic swimmer, <laughs> swimmer because I consume 4,000 calories a day and it's mostly <laughs> carbohydrates. Everyone's different. Right. And I think that, Jen, is a really big piece of this also. We are all biodiverse. Mm-hmm. All of our bodies are different. All of our blood types are different. Our ancestral DNA is different. Um, our epigenetics are different. We are all have a completely unique physical makeup. And um, it's really important to listen to that. We all have different allergies um, and predispositions to things. So it's kind of important to listen to your intuition about what kinds of choices you need to make for your pantry. Yeah, and I think about that too, just about our, everybody has a kind of a different relationship with food depending on, you know, like you said, your culture, your upbringing, you know, and also 
I think especially as women, kind of what we were taught to believe about diets yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what we should eat and shouldn't eat. And, you know, and so I, I, what you're saying really resonates, but also just understanding our own unique relationship with food and how to make that a healthy one. And I think for me, that's why when you ask me questions about what should we do, what shouldn't do, I always go back to real food, mm-hmm. single ingredient, nutrient dense foods. And the other thing that I say a lot of times when people ask me is I don't count calories, I count chemicals. I love that. But there's a lot of chemicals in our food. Right. So then it goes back to point A. You're going to be counting a lot of chemicals. <laughs> yeah, if you can't pronounce it, you probably shouldn't eat it. Yeah, I've, I've heard that before. So uh, so how does Ray eat? Like, as, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> does he eat completely different than you? He's a pescatarian. Okay. And he doesn't eat any complex carbohydrates. Really? I as mean, an athlete? He's in his playing weight. Wow. He's... 46 or 47 years old. I never remember how old we are. <laughs> Gosh, what does that mean? That's a good thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. Mental age is 17 and three quarters, guys. Don't judge me. Um, but yeah, no, he, he he's a pescatarian. He, he doesn't do any red meat, chicken, pork, any of the things. Um, and he eats mostly fruits and vegetables, lots of seeds, lots of nuts. And he's got a really meticulous diet still, even as a Hall of Famer, retired, top 75 of all time, guy that could be doing whatever he wants, eating however he wants, laying on the couch with three cheeseburgers. <laughs> Not his life. So did you influence that or was that something he did on his own? We did it together. Okay. Truly. I mean, when we, again, like, when, when we first fell in love, I was eating chicken tenders, fries every day in a music studio. <laughs> and he was eating the things that he grew up on. Of course, he was eating real food also. His mom is an amazing, amazing cook and made incredible homespun meals for him. But yeah, he'd eat pancakes with syrup. Like that was part of his life and a part of our culture. Um, you know, those are things that we would gravitate towards as, as people, as black people. And, um, you know, now he eats very differently. He doesn't eat any gluten. The only complex carbohydrate that he consumes on a regular basis are sweet potatoes, but that's a vegetable, not a starch. Mm-hmm. Um, and he eats, he eats really, really well. And it shows on him. I mean, he has flawless skin. He still has a six So pack. do you, by the way. Thank you. But I mean, it's crazy. I mean, he's a specimen, literally. Like yeah. every time he leaves the house, I'm like, where are you going again? He's like, Shannon, to the grocery store to get you paper towels. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, I, but I love what you're saying too, just because we talk about this so much in the world of well-being is, you know, when you do something together with another person, whether you're partners, whether you're friends, whether you're roommates, whatever the relationship is, you... It, it makes it easier. It makes it more fun. You can hold each other accountable. You don't feel like you're doing this alone. You know, like it's the, like, it's just a lonely feeling to be like, wow, I'm the only person eating this way or I'm the only person, you know. <laughs> I'm eating tuna and lettuce at every meal, guys. Yeah. It really hurts me to see you eating lasagna. Well, that's what's so funny. Like on my Instagram stories and for the restaurant, I make all these massive meals for my boys. I call them the Allen Frat House because there's just so many of them. And um, so I make their pregame meal every day and people are like, wow, you know, how do you stay so like slim and fit and whatever, like making four cheese lasagna or, you know, kale soup and honey butter biscuits with this, you know, fried chicken and mashed potatoes and herb garlic broccoli. And I don't eat any of it. These are for growing boys. (laughs) Their ages, you know, 10 to 17. They need all this Mm. stuff to reach their full genetic potential. As we get older, things change. We don't require the same amount or the same kinds of foods that we used to. Yep. So let's talk about you. Um, 
You're a busy mom. Yes. <laughs> you're an entrepreneur. We were talking before that you're up at 2.30 in the morning preparing yes. meals for football teams. Yes. So what does self-care look like for Shannon Allen? <laughs> well, the past few weeks, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> during COVID, I really um, re-harnessed self-care for myself mm. because I had more time. Um, the restaurant was only open nine to three every day. We were just trying to keep open and keep everyone employed and our team members happy. And that meant, you know, making things tighter and smaller and more intimate mm -hmm. across the board. That actually gave me more free time with my family, which was a blessing, really. Um, so I started running every day, two miles a day again, doing Pilates again every day or yoga every day or just push-ups and sit-ups every day outside. Um, I started a you know really intensive skincare regimen every night, 20 minutes for myself, <laughs> deep conditioning and coloring my own hair, doing my own nails, things I'd forgotten that I was capable of doing mm. because I didn't have the time to do them as a the CEO of a startup. Right. Um, but now we're, we're coming out of, I hope, God willing, the thick of this thing, and our hours are increasing again. We have a lot more catering opportunities. We opened a new location on South Beach that's absolutely gorgeous. And so I'm back in the thick of it again, where I'm sometimes working those 12, 14 hour days. And my self-care really has been slacking, I would say the last nine weeks. So right now my self-care consists of, I'm being totally honest. <laughs> Please do. I am. <laughs> this is what makes you real. Yeah, this is, I mean, I, I only know how to tell the truth. <clears throat> my my self-care right now is my non-negotiable morning cup of coffee. That's okay. for me, that's mm -hmm. my time. Mm -hmm. Um making sure that I'm still eating the way that I know I need to eat for me, mm -hmm. which is essentially the paleo diet, meat, chicken, fish, fruits, vegetable, and nuts. And then occasional days of fasting. I do like a, a water fast three days out of every month. And that is 100% for me. I wouldn't recommend to anyone because consult with your doctor before you do any fasting. Mm -hmm. um, spending time with my loved ones mm. is a big part of my self-care. Going to my kids' games makes me feel alive. Spending time with my husband, sitting on the couch, him making me a bowl of popcorn. He knows my sweet spot. It's like, <laughs> come home from a long day of work, and it's like, got my popcorn ready. Um, you know, it, it's small stuff, really. Yeah. I still do my skincare at night, but it's not 20 minutes anymore. Yeah. It's like four minutes. But I still get it in because it's part of me feeling like myself right. is loving the way I look and feel. Mm. And maybe that sounds egotistical or selfish, but I'm a performer by nature. And it's a big part of who I am. I mean, people often ask me, how did you create Grown? How did you come up with this idea to reinvent fast food? And obviously I have a very strong why, Walker, my mm. son, he's my why. I wanted to create the thing that I wished existed. I wanted to inspire people to eat real food, cooked slow for fast people, and I wanted to help eliminate mom guilt. So I, I guess for people listening, I mean, nutrition just, I continue to find it's something that is the number one thing that people struggle with because, yeah. I mean, it's what you're trying to solve, right? Yeah. It's 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 confusing. There's so many. There's so many uh, different opinions about this. Yeah, also. it's not easily accessible all the time. You kind of you know end up eating what's available to you. So, do you have any favorite tips to kind of tell people make sure, you know like pack a snack bag, you know, like what are your go-to kind of like, okay, we're going here and we may or may not have access to the type of food that we want to eat or we want to consume. Mm -hmm. um, how do you plan for those things? Um, I will be very honest in telling you that I'm not a meal prepper. Okay. I don't have time for that. 
Um, I envy people that on a Sunday night make all their meals for the whole week. Um, I just don't have that bandwidth to do that. I'm not I do gonna... it for about six weeks out of the year, and then I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Even that's amazing. <laughs> six weeks out of a year. My gosh. Wow. What I tend to do, which is kind of like meal prep, is that I make enough food on any given night so that the next day when the boys come home from school, if they want something hot, there's still a couple leftover chicken breasts or mm. a small portion of a stew that I might have made or a corner of lasagna so that they don't have to have you know takeout or be scrambling for ramen noodles, right? Yeah. Because I've got stuff in the fridge. But but one of my biggest tricks, if this is a trick, um, and anyone can do this, I mean, at most income levels, you know, with the exception of food deserts where there aren't real mm-hmm. grocery stores, mm-hmm. um, I keep a bowl of fruit on the counter. Mm. You know, some bananas, some apples. Um, I have limes and lemons that I put in the fridge for lime and lemon water. Um, avocado, people don't realize that that's actually a fruit. Um, maybe some grapes. And when we do that, which is consistently, our kids go for fruit first. They do. Yeah. And people will come to the house and be like, wow, I don't get it. Like, you've got this whole amazing fully stocked pantry, but Walker just ate an orange. I'm like, yeah, he's going to go for the orange first every single time. Yeah. Well, it's bright and that's what's out. And actually, there's a lot of research that if you put kind of, especially fruit, if you put it accessible, you know, people won't, people will go for that and they won't necessarily go for the junk food that. Right. is available three feet behind it. <laughs> totally. So we've yeah. got fruit on the yeah. counter and then over by like my stove area, I have these little containers and those all have nuts in them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like if you go to a hotel, like an overnight stay place and they have like a continental breakfast downstairs uh-huh. and you can like press a button and like peanuts come out. So we've got cashews and chocolate covered raisins and pecans and almonds. So you just make it visible and accessible. Totally. Yeah. And then when they say, mom, we want a snack, I'll do something like homemade nachos with guacamole. Right, like people don't realize how good something like guacamole nachos actually I'm really is for you. Right now, I'm sorry, let's stop talking about. <laughs> no, keep gents. going. My mouth is watering. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like yeah. it, it's it's one of those things where yes, we can we can just have a bag of chips, but I could also make you quesadillas really quick, mm-hmm. or um, you know, a grilled cheese sandwich with tomato soup. I mean, this is this stuff takes three minutes. So, the other thing I would say is for parents. If parents have questions about how do you get your kids to eat broccoli and things like that, I don't have all the answers. But something that's worked in our house is that my kids all cook. Mm. And when I'm cooking, they want to be involved in the cooking experience. Even if it's something simple so it's like... A family. It's a family event. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm in the kitchen, which is like my domain, right? I've got my music. I've got Sade going. I'm bossa nova. I've got candles lit. And I'm just like setting the mood for to start cooking. My two littles will run in and be like, "Mom, don't start without us." <laughs> and they're, they they want to cut the broccoli. They want to smash the garlic. They want to break the spaghetti in half. And sim- even simple things like cinnamon rolls, it, it takes three minutes to do that with them. Mm-hmm. But when those cinnamon rolls come out of the mm. oven, <laughs> you know they feel like Zach the Baker. <laughs> Love <Right>? it. <laughs> and it's really unusual for someone to yeah. not want to eat what they prepared. Yeah. So I love that. So, so what do you think? Are they going to get involved in the business? What's the future of grown? (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I mean, I definitely, my 10 year old is like, mom, he said to me the other day, this is crazy. His name's Winston. He's so smart. He plays this game sometimes where he wants to talk about what are the world's most recognizable brands, Mm -hmm. which what 10 year old wants to talk (laughs) about the world's most recognizable brands? It's wild. And um, he said to me one day, mom, that's like a billion dollar company, right? And I'm like, absolutely. He's like, how many locations do they have? 
11,427. Really? That many, Mom? Yeah, they're all over the globe, Winston. They're in airports and hospitals and college campuses. They're just about everywhere. And he's like, do you think is the most recognizable fast food restaurant in the country? 100% yeah, yes. Hands down. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, Mom, if is all over the globe and they're a multi-billion dollar business, grown is next. Because you're actually doing something great for people. I love it. I love it. And this is why I get up at 2.30 in the morning, Jen. And, and, and I can't, I mean, that's the final word. I mean, I can't even ask you anything else after that. <laughs> Mic drop. Thank you, Wiston. <laughs> yes, thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having so me. So much richness. And I, I mean, I'm smiling the whole time. And we're at the World Happiness Summit. Yes. So <laughs> we got to spread that joy. The world needs the joy and it the does. happiness and the good food, it the does. good whole food. And so the, thank the good nutrient-dense food that yeah. contributes to our immunity. Thank you. And we for, learned that. Thank you for being on the show. And thank you for what you do. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Stay safe and healthy, everybody. I'm so grateful Shannon could be with us today to talk about food and nutrition. Thank you to our producers, Rivet360, and our listeners. You can find the WorkWell podcast series on Deloitte.com, or you can visit various podcatchers using the keyword WorkWell, all one word, to hear more. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our future episodes. If you have a topic you'd like to hear on the WorkWell podcast series, or maybe a story you would like to share, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. My profile is under the name Jen Fisher or on Twitter at JenFish23. We're always open to your recommendations and feedback. And of course, if you like what you hear, please share, post, and like this podcast. Thank you and be well.